break down the MAC tournament with a recap, and then we also preview the postseason tournaments for both the men's and women's basketball team. Then we talk a little bit about Pro Day and how that went last week here at Central Michigan. All that and more on Maroon and Bold next. Welcome into Maroon and Bold. I'm your sports editor, Andrew McDonald. Across from me, assistant sports editor, Evan Petzl. We have made it back successfully from Cleveland, Ohio, back to this this room here that we, right before we left, it was uh, the night before, well, at least where I left, um, was this where we were at, just kind of talking about what was going to happen there. And I think we uh, we definitely expected at least one of those two teams to come back to the championship. And really, the unexpected kind of happened in, in more than one way. I mean, with uh, the, the buzzer beater to kind of even just stay alive in the first game. And then the men's team won a game and almost pulled off an upset in the second one. But nevertheless, ended up going home a day early. How are you feeling about it? I mean, I'm feeling all right. You know, anytime you got a Red Bull to your left, computer screen in front of you, <laughs> and iPhone to the right, you know, it's March, you know, it's crazy, and you know, there's basketball. So obviously, nobody came home with the championship, but both teams still playing. Yeah, for sure. I think, honestly, Red Bull is about to become uh, the sponsor for Evan Petzl. When he makes it big someday and he's out there writing, like the way that this kid drinks it on the regular when he's walking around, there's no way it's not going to become the sponsor. Injected in my veins. <laughs> No, but anyway, just talking about basketball, I mean, yeah, they're not going to be – they didn't win any championships. But, I mean, I, I honestly, I would beg to say that the men's team got better over that, that tournament. The women's team, I don't know, a couple games where it looked really, really uh, not good. That's That's been mm -hmm. probably the best way to put it. And um, them going into the NCAA tournament now, it's kind of like – you know, what do you what do you really expect? I mean, they they earned their seed seeding the number eight seed to play Michigan State. Um, the number nine seed, it'll be in South Bend on March twenty third at one PM. Um, but they got that basically because of their RPI and the, who they were able to play in the non conference with the teams there in the tournament, like Louisville, uh, Quinnipiac, and um the and L or not who's the other team here? Bear with me for a second, trying to find it down here. Um the other teams in the NCAA tournament. It's yeah, UCF's in there as an 11 seed. For sure. They, the point is, they Miami. Play, Miami, that was it. Miami was the other team that I, I was thinking of as the number four seed in the tournament. So they're playing a good amount of teams that are, or they played a good amount of teams already this season that are in there, which kind of helped bump up their resume to be able to give them a number eight seed. I mean, anytime that a team from the MAC is ahead of a team from the Big Ten when it comes to seeding, um, I think it says a lot about who they were able to play and who they were able to beat. I mean, this team last year beat the outright Big Ten champion in the round of 32 in the NCAA tournament in Ohio State. So they've proven they can do it before. But, like, again, it's just like, you know, we we went to go cover the the event the other day with, um you know, them kind of getting their announcement. We didn't get to actually cover the announcement, but we were able to go afterwards to get the, the, the comments and stuff from Guevara and Presley Hudson and Raina Frost. And it's just like – a different feel. I don't know. It's like last year there was so much excitement around it. This year it's kind of. I mean, expected. I know when it's expected and you make it, it is that way. But I still, I still feel like that that loss to Buffalo was kind of hanging over on them, like during that that press conference. I don't know. Just just observation from me. I think that it still seemed like they were kind of like, I don't know, just like trying to prove something. They need to get to this NCAA tournament and get a big win. I think if they get a win against Michigan State, it all gets forgot. Honestly, it just becomes a tournament loss. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I think I think that that right now is something that people are thinking about. Guevara said that like people were just asking her, you know, kind of left and right, like, "Oh, are you are you all right?" She said, "Yeah, I'm all right." Like we won a conference tournament or a, a conference championship, you know, before the conference tournament. That was you know a season that goes from November all the way into early March, and they were able to earn that. You can't just forget about that. The conference tournament does mean something without a question. 
Um, but still, nevertheless, it's not at the end of the day, it's, it's just a couple of games over a weekend. Does it really add up to what you did all season? I mean, I know that people still look at it as another championship, but really, if you're looking at it in perspective of playing 30 some plus games compared to just, you know, a couple of games in a weekend, I'd say that the regular season one means more. I mean, it's all about in sports with fans. What do you do for me right now? And they didn't win it in that tournament. But if they, again, if they can come out and beat Michigan state and start to make a run or get momentum, I think if you can beat a school like Michigan state, it's going to propel them to be able to win more games coming up. Yeah. I don't really think that the conference championship or, you know, the conference semifinals in this case for CMU really mattered to them this year. I mean, I think of course you want to win it. Of course you want to, you want to, you know, cut down you know, another set of nets and you want to, get that accolade you want to bring the trophy home and I, and I get that but I think last year it was it, it meant so much more because last year was the first year that two MAC teams ever made it to the NCAA tournament before that it was you know if you won your conference if you won your conference tournament you were in if you didn't you were out and in last year you saw that happen with CMU and um, you know they won it and Buffalo still got in and I think this time around you know knowing CMU's schedule um, knowing where their RPI was at coming into that semifinal game and and then where it was after the tournament was over, it was almost like, okay, we lost, but we're still in. I mean, it's the same way that, you know, if we want to look at men's basketball, it's the same way, you know, M- Michigan lost to, to Michigan State to lose their conference yeah. championship, and they're still in. Like, I understand that's a tough loss, but they're in, and, like, it's the next game, and, like, okay, who cares? Like, we're, we're moving on. Plus, you got to remember, too, I mean, how much does that conference championship really mean? I don't think it means much for CMU seeding either. I think they're still that eight seed, even if they win it. Um, yeah. I, there's no way. There's up. no way that they. I mean, maybe a seven seed, but I, I don't. I don't think it changes really. I think that matchup in South Bend, that that Central um, against Michigan State, or if you wanted to swap out Michigan State and put Michigan in there, I think that was kind of the design matchup anyway. Put two in-state teams in there, throw them in South Bend, close drive for both schools. It's good, good, good money for the NCAA. You're going to get, you know, good viewership off of that. It's also going to be on ESPN too. People are going to want to watch it. I mean, I, I guess just the point being, it's a game that people are going to watch. It's a game that matters. And I don't think that the seeding changes at all. You even look at Buffalo. Buffalo won the conference championship and they were a 10 seed. Yeah, exactly. And I think if CMU wins it, Buffalo's maybe an 11 seed and, and CMU's maybe a 7 yeah, no, so I, maybe they maybe they adjust one spot, but does that really matter that much in the grand scheme of things? Not really. No, again, in conference tournaments, when it comes to the selection committee, they only look at it, you know, with a, a grain of salt is what I would say. They don't really take it as anything that's going to bump you up too far. It's more if you're it's above. the RPI. That's what they yeah, care exactly, about these days. Exactly. Well, it's all that matters. I mean, it, it, honestly, the MAC conference still doesn't have as much respect. You know, you're talking about, um, you know, CMU getting moved up from the eight to the seven. I don't even know if that would have happened anyway, just because yeah. Ohio had a better record, right? And they made the championship game and lost to Buffalo. They didn't RPI even make the tournament. I, yeah, and I mean it wasn't that's exactly. So that's all that matters. And like their record was better than Central's and everything else. Fourteen and four won the MAC East. I mean, still didn't get in. Uh, Sue was obviously pretty disappointed about it when she she talked about it yesterday, just saying that you know it's not it's a shame um, if they weren't able to get in and that the you know they. She thought that they did plenty to do it, and I I would agree with her. I think that they should have been in as well, um, especially if uh, you know a team like CMU gets a high seed like that, um, and they don't even have as good of a, a record as uh, overall record I should say, um, as Ohio. But again, like you said, the RPI is what matters at the end of the day. That's what they've been looking at. Um, it comes down to that. But looking deeper at the Michigan State matchup, uh, just kind of this one. I think it's interesting. Um, it's definitely uh, so many storylines. Exactly. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy. Like honestly, there's a lot. 
Um, and, and when it comes with that, it's overall, it's uh, definitely an interesting matchup. Anytime you play a team that's only 67 miles down the road from you, I mean, they, they were kind of trying to blow it off like it isn't, but what do you think is really going through those players' heads, you know, as they're preparing for this game? I mean, honestly, it's probably we want to get this win, like, without a question. I mean, it's not even just that it's a Big Ten opponent. It's the fact that it's one of the two teams in the state that are from the Big Ten. Well, it's in-state and and it's Big Ten. I mean, that's... It's a huge resume builder, again. To yeah. Like, like, you know, yeah. we, we talked about this, like, how Central just kind of got back into the tournament. We almost feel like they gained a lot of respect because they went to the Sweet 16 a year ago and with what they were able to do. If they can keep beating these Big Ten teams and moving out like that, you're going to start to get considered a powerhouse coming out of this conference. I mean, honestly, in women's basketball, just by a reputation standpoint. And that can help you in the tournament. I mean, you can't tell me it doesn't help schools like Duke and North Carolina every year when they get the seeds they do. Yeah, they have great records and everything else. But, like, without Zion Williamson, do you think that Duke still would have got a one seed? There's a lot of talk that, like, they wouldn't. I think that's the same kind of thing. Like, you just build a resume um, and, and people start to respect you more. If they can keep doing this consistently in college basketball, they're only going to make their name more known. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, just looking at some of the, the storylines here besides the in-state, um, you know, Susie Merchant, the head coach yeah, for cool. Michigan State, she played for CMU from 87 to 91. She set the all-time assist record for women's basketball here in Mount Pleasant, record that was broken this season by Presley Hudson, who's a senior guard for the Chippewas. And also, Sue Guevara has ties back to Michigan State. She was an assistant coach from 10 years, from 86 to 96, under Karen Langland. So, there's all these different types of storylines, you know, with with Presley breaking Susie's record, with Guevara being back at um, back at Michigan State, and you even want to, I mean, you want to. Okay, I'm not trying to extend it too far <laughs> and, ch- and make these storylines go on and on, but I mean, yeah. they are they are just there. I mean, you look at look at Guevara back when she was at Michigan in 2001, just like CMU, right, number eight seed, but it was the Wolverines. Took him to a second round matchup against number one Notre Dame, and in Michigan lost that contest, eighty eight to fifty four. Obviously, that was a long time ago, but there's some. Notre there, Dame still just as dominant. I mean, if you look yeah, a couple years ago, yeah. when they killed CMU one hundred seven yeah. to forty seven. And Sue said that right when the, the the bracket came out, and she saw that she said that you know she's not even thinking about it, but she did say that she mentioned that game to some of her assistant coaches, and they were just kind of talking about it um, in in a casual situation, but. Then again, I mean, Central also played Notre Dame back in 2016. They were throttled 107 to 47. So there's that little storyline there because obviously the winner of Michigan, Michigan State, is going to get Notre Dame. (laughs) Dame, I I am sorry, Bethane Cookman, but I am giving it to the Fighting Irish. 21 and 10. Don't care. (laughs) No, honestly, it's gonna it's gonna happen that way. Either way, we also asked Sue just about you know being a coach at Michigan State at one point she said it was so long ago but you know it still lingers in her mind when she's going to go there and play against them uh Central overall is 13 and 29 against Michigan State in the history of the meeting last the first meeting was in 1970 the last time two things met was in 2005-2006 um and Michigan State took the win 75 to 50 so I mean overall the the Spartans definitely have the Chippewas number in history but right now it just seems to be two completely different teams yeah and I kind of got a column coming out um well, not I don't kind of have a comment. I I definitely have a column coming Got one out. Got the works. Um, yeah, probably probably be coming out in um you know probably tomorrow or, or the next day. I, I'm not really sure when it'll be out yet, but um have it done up. Just need to need to figure out when we're gonna send it out. But basically, kind of goes through the fact that Central Michigan really does have the advantage in this one, and and you have to look at Michigan State. They finished nine and nine in their conference. Okay, they had some big wins early, and and I kind of start to break that down a little bit. You know they beat top tier teams like Oregon and Iowa, um, you know, splitting the the two game season series against Iowa and then and then winning early against Oregon. But 
they were off to such a hot start, and then they absolutely fell apart. Absolutely fell apart. They lost late regular season games to Wisconsin, Nebraska, Ohio State, and Minnesota. None of those teams are in the NCAA tournament. And the Spartans couldn't even get one of those victories down the stretch. So you, you have to realize that Michigan State, they've lost six of their last 10. CMU's won nine of their last 10. I mean, I, I don't really know what else to say other than CMU has the advantage from a pure momentum standpoint. Michigan State hasn't been able to win since early in the season. They just haven't. They hit a down slope. They had a couple early wins that just snuck them in. Um, I, honestly, I thought that they, I didn't even think they were going to get in. I, I thought it was going to be penciled in as a, as a CMU Michigan matchup, but somehow, somehow, Michigan sneaks in. Meanwhile, you know, you look at you look at Michigan State and they struggled to beat teams that didn't even get in the NCAA tournament. Like I said, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Ohio State, Minnesota, all those games down the stretch. CMU, they defeated four 2019 NCAA teams. Buffalo, they beat them twice, lost yeah. once, obviously. Miami, they beat them by 10. Quinnipiac, they beat them by double by double digits. And then UCF, they beat them by just nearly double digits, beat them by beat them by eight. So I mean, what more can you can you say? CMU has the resume. CMU has the hot streak. I mean, the two teams haven't met since 05, but that was 12 years ago, right? Yeah. And I think right now, with the momentum CMU's riding, and I understand Michigan State, they 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 were unable to put together victories in what seemed to be easily winnable games down the stretch. And and that's kind of why. I got to go with CMU. I mean, I, I would put all my chips in on Sugavara uh, on this one, man. CMU is just the better team, and, you know, overall and, and right now. I think you add the factor of Presley Hudson and Raina Frost not wanting to play in their last game either. Um, I think both those players are going to come out and play really motivated in this game. That's the only kind of sense that I got um, from talking to both of them the other day. Just really, really concentrated is what I got out of both of them. I think that they're both really disappointed with the way that that game finished um, against Buffalo. And, okay, I mean, we can talk about the fouls and whatever else. But nevertheless, they let that game get away from at the end. Dillard was an absolute monster and kind of beat them in that game. I don't think they want to let anybody beat them again that way. Um, I mean, I know that sometimes talent is just a difference, but they are definitely evenly matched with Michigan State, if not the better overall team with talent. So I think those two alone um, could get CMU this win. But, yeah, it's just – I mean, when you look at it, there's a reason they got the eight seed and Michigan State the nine seed, and that's because they're just about even. I mean, you don't like again. I say you just don't usually see a Mac school get that higher seed than a Big Ten school. So I think it says a lot about you know where Central Michigan's at right now. Yeah, we go back. We go back to RPI. I mean, CMU has the number thirty second RPI in the nation. Michigan State's at forty three, and it's kind of like a head scratcher. I mean, you finish nine and nine in your conference. How how the hell do you have a, a forty three RPI? Out of all the NCAA, out of all the NCAA teams, I think it's just straight up Big Ten, and it's just straight respect, up Big Ten, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and that's the issue, I think, is that people might look at this matchup and say, "Oh wow, I mean, the RPI, I mean, they're 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 kind of close. I mean, Michigan State plays some tougher teams in conference. They're nine and nine, but yeah, maybe for a reason. But no, no, not at all. I I don't think that's the case because if 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 CMU played in the Big Ten, yeah, they might have a couple more losses, but their RPI would definitely be higher, especially with those early games against you know Louisville, Miami, Quinnipiac, UCF. Honestly, like I, I just feel like this one's going to be all Chippewas. Now, if you're going to ask me about <laughs> Notre Dame, I think they're going to get smoked, but yeah, that's just exactly. me. It's not. But I, I, but I think this game is going to be a cakewalk for no. for CMU. I don't see this one being close. I, I got the Chippewas by like 15, for sure. Old, you heard it here. You heard it. You heard here it here first, first, folks. But I, don't, I mean, yeah, I, I would. If I had to pick a winner in this one, I'd probably pick Central too. Could you see it kind of getting out of hand though? 
I, I, I mean, could. just kind of what I I've could. explained to you. Well, yeah, I mean, I've look explained. at last year. They, they, did the, they did that to Ohio State. I mean, go look at the final score of that game. It wasn't like And Ohio State was actually really good in the Big was, Ten. I looked at it earlier. Yeah, no, I mean, they were really Ohio, good. They Ohio, were the outright Big Ten champion. They were the best Which is a lot better than 9-9. Nine and nine. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, no, I, mm-hmm. I definitely can see where you're coming from with all of it. It, it could get that way. Um, and we'll see what they're able to do. I do also believe that Central Michigan was a better team a year ago than they are this year. That's just yeah. my personal opinion on it. So that makes a little bit of a difference as well. But this team is still really, really good, and they're coached by a very, very good coach. And when you haven't played every single season, like Michigan State and Central don't, um, honestly, sometimes it can kind of surprise you with a different style of basketball that they play in the MAC. And when you have a team that has as much talent on it and runs it as well as Central does, yeah, I could definitely see it getting out of hand and getting away from Michigan State. So last note on this. I'm definitely going to ask after the game, you know, win or, win or lose for CMU, did they feel like this was a rivalry game in a way? You talk about the in-states, right? Mm-hmm. You know, when CMU plays Michigan State in football, it's a rivalry. They that At least John Bonamigo called it a rivalry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you, you obviously you have the Michigan-Michigan State, but is, is the in-state game between two Division One teams – is that enough to call it a rivalry? It is, but I guarantee you they will not give you an answer that says that they they won't just based I on wonder. the way they've answered about it because they've kind of been like, but, then, nope, but this was also just but, another but, opponent. But that that's how <laughs> but that's how they approach everything though. Is it's, exactly. it's just another opponent? No big deal. Just another game. But in their minds, that has game. to be. That's it why I got. That's be. why I gotta ask after I the mean, game. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I gotta know. And maybe after the game, they they change and you know when they have the win. When it's over, when, when they have the win, they can change it and say it a little bit different, and you know that might happen. But I wonder. It'll be interesting to find out what that reaction is. Nevertheless, if they lose, I don't think I think they'll, they'll still say no. Yeah. It's just another game. But if they win that game, yeah, they might come out and make it a little bit more of a cocky remark or something like that. Like, oh, we beat you. Which I mean, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't no, you? And you should because at you that point that. it makes and it makes you look better too. I mean, we're just talking about how the Big Ten gives you straight up a better RPI. Like, if you go to the MAC tur- or go to the NCAA tournament and beat Michigan State, I mean that looks really good again in your conference. So it's another. If you if you bolster yourself, even in just your comments, I mean, it can weigh in people's minds like down the road. Ohio deserved to be in, okay, out of the yeah, match. no, I, deserved I, I to be think three so teams. Yep. So Sugavara, if you get the win, please, please, boast your squad up a little exactly. bit. Exactly, make yourself sound. Boost better. yourself. I mean, there's no reason you deserve not it. to, but. One uh one team that isn't really a, a little bit different of a situation. It's here. not over yet, baby. <laughs> They're not, yeah, exactly. It's not over yet. They're not exactly playing in the same kind of thing. But you know what? This team did deserve to play in another tournament, I think, and they and they got the chance to do it. Um, the men's basketball team is going to go to the college basketball invitational. Um, it's a tournament that Keno Davis has never coached in before, but he's announced in it. Um, a couple of years ago, he said it was right before he actually got the call to come to CMU. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in that tournament doing that, uh, broadcasting all the games all the way to the championship. Go so. dig in the files on CM Life. Yeah, uh, I wrote a story about it last Evan's year. Evan's got dig. a story on it, so it is in there. But Somewhere. So, yeah, exactly. Some, somewhere in the archives. <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, he, I mean, he, he's been there for that part of it. But, again, I asked Larry and I asked Sean uh, Roundtree both today um, what their feelings were on it. And like, have they ever played in a tournament like this before? You got to remember both these guys are transfers that came in. They played in Mac tournaments, you know, whatever else But it. Larry said, Nope, I've never been a part of a tournament like this before. I've never played anything like this. I mean, he went to the NCAA tournament with some of his teams on the bench, but he never got into the game and Sean Roundtree, uh, well, middle area college isn't exactly division one. So they it's weren't, not? no, no, they weren't I'm entered uh, into the NCAA tournament. So he did. Um, he 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 hasn't been like in any kind of tournament like this because last year. I mean, sure the CIT, but that's definitely a much worse tournament than this one is. So I mean, this this one has West Virginia in it. I mean, DePaul is not like the the biggest name. They're still to the Big East. They're a school that has made noise in the past. They made the NCAA tournament plenty of times. So like, there are schools in this tournament that are a lot better renowned um, to play against. So 
I don't know what they're gonna, you know, make of it if it's anything crazy. But I mean, you don't start with me on that. I'm not. I'm not telling all you. These teams are I'm really not, good, and I, the I winner plays Southern Miss or Longwood. I didn't say all. I said some. Longwood. I said some. You're putting words in my I, mouth I'm right now. I'm messing around. I said some. They there are some good teams in this tournament, but if they if they can make a run in this, it would be impressive to me. I think they can. Get I don't past, think they should get past DePaul. No, I don't think so either. But I think if they beat if they beat DePaul. They'll definitely smoke Southern Miss or Longwood because I don't know what Longwood. Okay, is. Longwood is in that. I've heard of them. I've heard of Southern Miss before. They've, Southern Miss. They're no, around no, the block. I know. I know. So like there are. Okay, I'm not saying they're great. I'm just saying they were able to make it run this tournament. It'd be impressive to me, um, especially just I mean where they're coming from. Every year this tournament takes one team, and if you look back at the history, it's always kind of a team that's in about the same spot as CMU, a four or five yeah. seed in the MAC conference, and none of them really been able to make a run. I mean, the furthest anybody ever went was in 2016 when Ohio went to the semifinal. No MAC team has ever made the championship in this game. So if they made the championship in this tournament, I mean, that's impressive to me, no matter what, because no one in the MAC has ever done it before. Um, and odds are they're going to play against West Virginia in that game. So if they were able to find a way to win that game against against West Virginia, that, that'd be pretty impressive. Now, is that going to happen? Probably not. Again, if you had to ask me, I would probably bet on their trip being pretty short. I mean, Kim Davis said to me today when he got done talking to me, he said, well, hopefully I'll be talking to you next week because, you know, they want to keep playing. And that's the that's the big thing for Sean and Larry is, you know, they are a couple of guys that really don't want to stop. I mean, then to practice today, they were the last two players in the court. They do not want to be done playing college basketball because, you know, nothing against them, but they're definitely not going to make the NBA. So it, it's really just like, you know, kind of looking at maybe playing overseas or something like that to get yourself your foot in the door. And if you can make a mark in one of these tournaments and only make yourself better, you never know. So for them, it's definitely a good and positive thing. Um, another thing is this team's going to be without those two next year. And they have a lot of young guys in this team that could be playing as well. Come in there. I think Matt Beasley should get a lot more time in this tournament. You got like that. Dallas Morgan should be playing a significant Edison amount. I, oh man. <laughs> I don't, I don't see, Give him a few I don't see Damn. him get any time. I mean, I no, I'm not against it, but I mean, we're talking about Keno Davis's coaching style yeah, here. I find true. it very hard to believe that he's going to play anybody off the bench. That All isn't right. in his eight man rotation that he runs every game. All right. Let, let me go through who's in this tournament. And let's talk about who we think actually could could knock off seeing, you know, you know, I guess who would pose the biggest threats. So you got Cal State Northridge, Utah Valley, Stony Brook, South Florida, Grand Canyon, West Virginia, Howard, Coastal Carolina, Southern Miss, Longwood, UAB, <laughs> UAB. <laughs> Brown, DePaul, Central Michigan, Loyola Marymount and California Baptist. I think West Virginia. <laughs> I, no, no. I, I think I think that if you can make it far enough, if you're CMU, I mean, just looking at this team list. All right, I understand that half of the teams are they, they just sound really crummy, and half the teams sound pretty decent. I mean, if you can get wins over teams like South Florida, West Virginia, I mean, you you beat you know you beat DePaul, you get that win. You you beat UAB. I mean, those are teams that that people know. People know those teams. Coastal Carolina, kind of the same way. Howard, always a little sneaky when it comes down to to their basketball team. They're, they're a team that likes to, to sneak up on you. Loyola Marymount, kind of the same way. There's definitely sleeper teams in here that I think if CMU can get the win over, it, it would be a good resume. But, I mean, we talk about it for women's basketball like it's everything, and and I understand that it is. Keno Davis obviously doesn't like to schedule tough non-conference games. So if you can win a couple of these games, though, I mean, that'll look good on a resume for next year. Um, you know, that also might provide a couple opportunities to maybe schedule some of these teams down the road. Mm -hmm. Who knows who you're going to run into? Who knows what matchup you're going to like? But I think, you know, you got to key in on the West Virginia, the South Florida, um, you know, Southern Miss in there as well. DePaul. I mean, those are kind of the schools that, that you want to try to beat just to get your name out there a little bit more. 
No, for sure. I mean, any, anytime you can do that. I think that's the point of it. I mean, honestly, you and me, we're talking about, like, Michael Alford, was he actually going to spend the money to do this tournament? Were they actually going to make the decision to play again? Honestly, it kind of felt like it was leaning towards, like, no. I mean, Oh, I thought it was. I mean, yeah, from from what I was told. Now that it doesn't I was matter told, anymore, and they made this tournament, when we were walking yeah. out of the MAC tournament, we were kind of talking to Don Chido and some of those guys about it, and they said, that, like, you know, they've got – know some offers the cit and stuff like that already so we didn't really know like if they were going to yeah you know like where they were going to end up or not but they ended up taking this one and i don't know if it's because it's looked at as a better tournament or why i mean i don't know what you know tilted michael's mind to do it um but overall maybe it's just to get your school name out there more i mean that's probably the the most important part and maybe to give these guys more of a chance to play i mean again they I, they ended the season pretty well i mean i know that they you know, I had the one game against Toledo. It was kind of a bummer for them to be able to get the the championship or get the lead in that part of it again. They kind of ended the regular season on the end note. But, they don't, I mean, the game they played against Buffalo, man, I mean, just go back to that really quick. That was the most impressive game I think I've seen them play all year, and it, it ended in a loss. But they hung. They were there. I mean, I we kept looking at each other the entire game. We're just like, wow, are we still going to be here tomorrow? Like, this is crazy right now. And I mean, they built it. I think it was as many as 13. It was definitely at least 11. Uh, 13 point lead i think um in that game at one point so when you're able to build a lead of that much against a team like that it says a lot and buffalo played a horrible game i mean don't get me wrong they could not hit a three i mean cj massenberg played horrible nick perkins was trash inside against the defender and david DeLeo that he should have been dominating let's let's be honest here okay about this basketball team larry austin jr all right you got a former reject division division one basketball player okay nobody wanted him nobody wanted to play him get him out of here Okay, Sean Roundtree Jr., Juco product, told he couldn't make it to the top, told he couldn't start at the Division One level, would never be a, a star point guard yeah, in that much. way. Okay, he broke down that barrier. Yep. David DeLeo, former tennis star in high school, okay? You got a tennis star <laughs> starting on your basketball team. Kevin McKay, pure hustle, right? And it's a single job every game. He's not really a good shooter. He's, he's not a good he's, shooter. He's not, okay? <laughs> His shot is, shot is for him looks is like Lonzo good. Ball. <laughs> it's bad. Nobody knows what's going on there, but he just hustles the heck out of the game he's, of basketball. He's crafty inside. I mean, the way he makes moves inside to get buckets yeah. against guys that are bigger than him is very And impressive. it's just all hustle. And, and then you have Rob Montgomery, who is told, hey, Rob, go act like you're 6'11", even though you're 6'6", <laughs> and have fun with it. Go and somehow, big. for 40 minutes, though... He plays very well for where he came, I mean, came from the beginning of the year. I mean, DeLeo was inside against six foot eight, 250-pound Nick Perkins, and he had Buffalo fans chanting, like, Rob Montgomery's you suck, 17 you points. suck. I, why? But David was guarding him on defense, yeah, Nick Perkins. Yeah, for the most part, yeah. And... David had guys in the stands, you know, fans and stuff like that, yelling at Perkins for being trash. Yeah, honestly. Like, yeah, that's no. impressive. You know, David played a, a very good is. game, honestly. He stood him up very well. I mean, I remember you saying to me at one point, like, he's hanging with him, and I was like, it, I, believe it or not, like, it's happening right now. And you so. could tell early, or like mid midway through the second half, they just looked gassed. Oh, yeah, for I mean, sure. You could see it on their faces, but somehow they found that, that extra tank of gas. So, again, I'm excited to see him play on. I mean, obviously, yeah, it, a tough loss. There's, but. there's a couple of plays you can go back to. I mean, this is, I mean, not that this is the whole game, but obviously the shot clock violation that should have happened, that could have, if that never happens, they don't make one free throw, it's a three-point game. Then also Roundtree at the end of the game went one for two from the line. If he makes both of those, it's a three-point game. So those are a couple of plays that's like, if they would have just made those edges, it's not that last play was so distraught. There was six-some seconds, 6.8 seconds left. Passed the ball into DeLeo at half court. There was no organization because Larry ended up getting the ball to take the final shot, and he should not be shooting a three-pointer at any point in the game. So, like, yeah, they were just at that point, they kind of knew it was over, didn't really have a chance. So who knows what could have happened if it would have only been a three-point game. They would have had a final chance to make that shot, could have sent it to overtime. You never really know, and you never will know. It's not worth, you know, wondering about. But nevertheless, this team will get a chance to play in this tournament. They played a Paul um, on Wednesday night. Um, at 8 p.m. So keep up with them. Keep up with us. We'll be covering it for you guys to make sure. But 
Evan, let's touch real quick before we wrap it up here um, on Pro Day um, and what you're able to see. I know Sean Bunting is definitely the uh, the headline of that entire thing, being the guy who's supposed to, you know, he's projected a second-round pick now, only has been doing well in any of the combines and stuff that he's been a part of so far, only seems to be making himself better. Um, Xavier Crawford, definitely another guy that could get drafted around the sixth round. He's been, you know, somebody that has been really, really fast, ran a good 40 times, stuff like that. So what did you see from those guys being around him and what were they kind of saying, feeling about their draft stock? Yeah, I mean, Bunting... Uh, didn't really do a ton. He ran a, a 4.42 40-yard dash at the Combine uh, back on March 4th. Didn't participate in that at Pro Day. Didn't bench. Didn't you know do a vertical. Didn't do anything like that. But he did run uh, the three-cone drill, um, something that he didn't participate in at the Combine but did at Pro Day. So weaving in and out of those cones, finished with a uh, 6.78 second time which is pretty darn good, um, especially for, for a cornerback, a guy that's supposed to be, be quick and speedy. That's basically all that he did. Um, did mention, though, he said that he feels like he's at the top of the boards. He thinks he's the best corner in the draft. Um, I would say that he's potentially right. I think he has the potential to be the best corner in this draft when you look at it um, in five years from now where he might be at. Um, a lot of experts are saying that he is a potentially long-term starter in the backfield. Um so, yeah, I, I think that he's kind of the guy back there um, with those defensive backs that, that could be pretty legit at the next level. So, while he might not be the number one cornerback drafted, he could actually end up being the best corner in this draft once you look at things from, you know, the outside looking in in, in about five years. Crawford, he greatly improved his 40-yard dash time. He had a 4-4-8 at the NFL scouting combine when he was there with, with bunting, but he absolutely knocked his opportunity out of the park at pro day. He ran a four, three 40 yard dash, which is unbelievable, which is, which is unbelievable. And it ended up it's coming impressive. out, what ended up coming out to be um, a four, four, three official. I mean, a four, three, three, excuse me. So we clocked it at a four, three and ended up being a four, three, three, not much difference there, but still nonetheless, <laughs> I mean, the guy was moving and I, and I think that's, you know, something that's definitely interesting. He has pre-draft visits scheduled with the new Orleans saints and Houston Texans. Um, Sean Bunting, going back to him, he's got 10 um, pre-draft workouts slash pre-draft interviews, some of which are over the phone. He has those this week, so he's already got a couple of those knocked down. The rest of them obviously coming throughout the remainder of the week. Those are two guys that you got to watch for going into the draft. Other participants included Alex Briones, a linebacker, Malik Fountain, a linebacker, offensive lineman Shakir Carr, defensive lineman Marcus Griffin, safety Taiwan Swain, Long snapper, Luke Idani, and then also Nathan Brisson Fast, a defensive lineman, only did bench presses. He actually uh, benched the most at Pro Day here in Mount Pleasant, but he did not do any of the running workouts as he had the knee injury to end the, the end of the season. He sustained that injury against Western yep. Michigan. But you want to look at the linebackers really quick before we, before we end the show. All right, Malik Fountain had over 150 tackles this year, and he packed the box. He... he it was very rare to see him, you know, drop back and, and find a receiver to help out with in coverage. Yeah, for sure. Meanwhile, Alex Briones didn't pack the box, and he was, you know, he was covering receivers more often than not. Yeah. Alex ended up with, I don't know, some 30, 40 tackles. Malik obviously had over 150. Seems like it's awesome on paper, right? You look and you yeah. say, wow, Malik's got to be the better, better got to be the better linebacker. Yeah. But let me tell you, Malik Fountain did not look good at yeah. all. I mean, I mean, my, my goodness. I don't, I mean... I, honestly, I, there was there was one of our CM Life reporters, not going to name him by name, but he came up to me after and he said, did he practice for these? Like, did he know like the drills he was going to yeah. do? And th this was a reporter that 
didn't really know much about Malik in the past, you know, has only been around here. This is, this is his freshman year. Didn't really cover the team at all. And that's what he said to me. Did, did he know he was even doing this? Yeah. And after um, that same reporter was looking to get an interview with him and he just sat against the wall and just was pouting and declined interview after interview after interview. And the reporter came up to him and said, Hey man, you got a lot of tackles. You want to do a story about how you're underrated. And he got up and wanted to do the interview. So if that doesn't tell you how, how poorly fountain performed at pro day, I don't know what else will Briones though. He looked like the best linebacker out there. And I, and I think that he could be, he could be an AAF kind of a guy. He could be a, a CFL kind of a guy. Don't think he'll get, um, you know, a long-term NFL look, maybe an invite to, to mini camp. Never know. But there's definitely potential in Alex Briones underrated coming from the UP. Shakir Carr looked pretty good. Marcus Griffin hasn't played a lot in college. Um, moved around from Arizona to CMU. He moved pretty well for for his size. Taiwan Swain, uh, not sure how much is really going to end up being there, but Luke Idani could end up being one of the biggest steals. He won't go drafted because he's a long snapper, so it'll be um, he'll he'll get it goes an undrafted. Bon Amigo undrafted said that he was like a guy that he thought would be in the NFL, NFL right? starter, yeah. like year one as a long snapper. Um, <clears throat> obviously, how fast he runs doesn't matter. It's I guess how well he snaps footballs. So. We'll have to see what teams think about his snapping ability, but I would not be surprised if you saw him starting, um, you know, next year and in the in the future. For sure. Well, that's about it. For sure. It's I mean, you can only Bunting and Crawford. Tell so much. Yeah, we'll pay attention to those. Get two guys the most and keep up with them because they're definitely the people that NFL scouts and whatnot are looking at. And well, they should get drafted. So we'll see what happens with them. But nevertheless, that'll wrap it up for us here in Maroon and Bold. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, make sure you guys check it out on SoundCloud and all that good stuff. Uh, you can find it on the CM Life website. We'll be sharing it there. And thank you guys for listening. The ball is tipped. <laughs> Not again. No. <laughs> it's the NCAA. I guess, I guess so. I guess, honestly, there this is are. the same kind of thing. Running for but... your life. All right, we're out of here. We're out of here. <laughs> One shining moment. I'm going to go home and go to bed. Catch you guys later.